0: All right. Well, hey, thanks for being here. If this is your first time, so glad you're here. It's an honor. We truly view it as an honor that you would come and be with us and just be part of what God's doing in this place. Uh, It'd be great to meet you after service if you stick around. I know sometimes when people are new, and I get this because this is how I would do it, you kind of bail out right away. But if you want to hang out a little bit and talk, that'd be awesome. Yeah. So I just want to start by thanking you for a great summer. Like, Back, and it's not done yet. I know some of you are trying to deny that summer is almost over, but it really is, right? And I remember back before the summer started, God just really gave me a vision for how he wanted the summer to go, and I feel like it's really went pretty much exactly like he said it was gonna go. It's been really a great summer. Like, God has been just moving in this place. We did three summer nights, and and you helped make that happen by being there and serving and inviting your friends. We did yard work day yesterday, which was awesome, so thanks to uh, to everyone who who served. Uh, We started Activate this summer. It's been a pretty busy summer, but a really good one. So just thank you for helping make it such a great summer. And now as we look towards the fall, we're praying that God would just continue to blow on what we're doing. I just believe his spirit's kind of just blowing us forward and I just pray that that would continue to happen. He would just push us forward. And also just wanted to mention this next week, I'm not gonna be reachable. So from tomorrow through the next Monday, I'll be on vacation and the reason why I'm not reachable, is I really believe in the principle of Sabbath, okay? So Sabbath is one day in seven when you rest, you just stop, you delight, you worship, you be with the Lord, and I also believe in the importance of a prolonged Sabbath, once a year where you are just with God for an extended amount of time, and as someone in ministry, it's easy to just pour out, pour out, pour out, and not just be, and for the the next week, I'm just going to be, okay? So I won't be reachable but Pastor Derek is bringing the word next week. He's already written most of it, and it's pretty convicting, so you wanna come next week. Some of you are like, I ain't coming next week, but it's gonna be good, it's gonna be challenging, okay? So be here next week, he's gonna bring it, he's gonna bring the heat, Uh, and also if you need something this week, the church phone is still gonna be, be going. Lexi will answer the phone. If you need anything, talk to Lexi, talk to Derek, and they can help you out, okay? So just wanna let you know about that. I'm excited to see what God does as I take that time to pray and just be with him. All right, so today we're gonna continue our Gospel of Mark sermon series, and we've been working verse by verse through the book, and we're coming up on part 36 today. I'm really excited for this word. These last few weeks of the gospel have been particularly challenging and a bit intense. I recognize that it's been kind of an intense few weeks, and ever since chapter eight, Jesus' ministry has shifted. It's shifted kind of its focus as he's actively Preparing his disciples for his death. He is teaching them over and over that the path to greatness or to greatness in God's kingdom is laying down your life just as he will do on the cross. We'll see that around Easter time next year. But last week, Jesus finally arrived in the region of Judea where he's going to be crucified. And upon arriving, the Pharisees asked him a very difficult question about divorce. And last week, we got to kind of jump into that. It was a fun week. But now this week, Jesus is going to shift his focus from talking about marriage to talking about children, okay? So I'm really excited to see what God has for us. It says this in verse 13. It says, and they were bringing their children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. And truly I say to you that whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Okay, the sermon title this morning is Significance. Significance. All right, let's pray over this. Jesus, we thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for your presence here, Holy Spirit. And we ask you to speak through this word. We pray that this would be a powerful Morning in your presence. I pray that there be no heart in this room that's left untouched. God, I pray that every single person would hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, so many of you know my little brother, Derek, who led worship this morning. I love my brother, Derek, but something you may not know is I also have three other older siblings. Their names are Aaron, Mark, and Tara, and they are three, four, and five years older than me, respectively. On Friday and Saturday nights growing up, my brother... Aaron would often take me to a skating rink in Cedar Rapids called Super Skate. And the entire goal of the night was to find girls to skate with. I wanted to follow in his footsteps. He was like maybe 12 or 13, well, I'm trying to think, 12 or 13, I was probably like nine. And I wanted to follow in his footsteps, but I was one of the youngest kids there, so I would tell girls, I'd say, hey, I'm 12, when I was actually nine. Or I'm 13, I would just like totally blow smoke, and I would ask them to skate with me. And one time I got or I got one of the girls to agree to skate with me, and she even committed to being my girlfriend. We had a long two-minute conversation, she became my girlfriend, but then we never talked again after that, so if you're out there, if you're watching this, I'm sorry, baby. It, it's not you, it's me, okay? But anyways, we're breaking up, but uh, I'm kidding. But I had this tendency as a child to try to fit in with older kids. It was like this, this weird thing. I always wanted to be further along in life and to be more mature than I was. I think it was mainly rooted in a lack of patience. I'm not the most patient person naturally. I hope I'm growing in that, but not the most patient naturally. And I also think it was rooted in a lack of contentment in whatever season I was in. I always felt like the next season would be better when I can skate with girls and be a big 12 year old. That's gonna be a better season. I I, I think there's, there's some sense of shame of my immaturity and my dependency. I felt insignificant and I wanted to be significant. I wanted to make something of myself. I wanted to prove myself to the world. I wanted to prove that, hey, I'm mature, I'm awesome. (laughs) I think we all struggle with feeling insignificant at times. We struggle with understanding our value. There are so many reasons for this. For some of us, it's because we feel too young or we feel too old. For others, it's a lack or it's a sense that we haven't accomplished enough in life, so we feel insignificant. And for still others, it's because of mistakes we've made And for many, we feel insignificant because we've been rejected by important people. Specifically, many have been rejected by their fathers, whether directly or indirectly. And they have a deep sense of shame because of that. They ask the question, or maybe that's you, you ask the question, why didn't he want me? Many have never heard the affirmation of a father, and you long to hear him say, I love you, and I'm proud of you. I'm convinced that one of the greatest causes of problems in our own heart and in the world is that we don't know our significance and our worth. When you put eight billion people on the earth and they're all trying to prove that they're worth something, that they're valuable, it can cause seismic ripple effects. We desperately need to know our worth and our value. And I believe this passage gives us a picture of how we can find it. It starts by telling us that people were bringing their children to Jesus so that he could touch them. And the disciples were rebuking them. And this word for rebuke here is a severe word. It's used elsewhere in Mark uh, where Jesus casts out demons and also when he rebukes people who oppose his will. The disciples, they are passionately opposing the bringing of children to Jesus. In Jewish society, children were the lowest of the low. Childhood was not celebrated and valued like it is today, but it was viewed as a hindrance. That's just necessary to get us to adulthood. The disciples could not fathom why Jesus would want to give us time and attention to people with such little value. And we've seen a pattern here where the disciples keep trying to prop themselves up and exclude other people. First, they argued with one another about who was the greatest back in chapter nine. They thought that greatness was found in accomplishment and status and being better than other people. And Jesus responded by telling them that greatness is not found in propping yourself up, but it's found in serving the least in society. And he said this in verse 36 of chapter 90. It says, and he took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Then they tried to find their value in excluding other followers of Jesus. It says this in verse 38. It says, John said to them, "'Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, "'and we tried to stop them because he was not following us. "'But Jesus said, do not stop him, "'for no one who does a mighty work in my name "'will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me.'" And now, here in chapter 10, they're trying to exclude children who were the very people that Jesus told them specifically to receive in chapter nine. It seems that the disciples were trying to find their value and propping themselves up against other people. They were finding their worth in all the wrong places. And this highlights a temptation that each of us still face today. We often find our significance in all the wrong places. Just like the disciples, we struggle to find our worth and value in God, and we, we try to find it in other places. We think that if we can be successful if we can make money, if we can perform well at work, if we can live holy lives or be liked by other people or believe the right things, then we can prove our worth to the world. We often try to prove our worth by doing these things, not just doing these things well, but by trying to do them better than other people. We are far too worried about what other people are doing and how we compare to them. We're far too interested in asserting ourselves over and against others. People are not enemies to be defeated. They are image bearers to be loved, and for us to get this, though, for you to really love people, you have to know your value in God's sight. You have to find your worth and your value in the right place. I've struggled with this off and on throughout my life. I remember when I started as the Calvary director of You and I. I just graduated Bible college. I was 22 years old, and I was still, or still really figuring out who I was and how God viewed me. And I would often view my worth and value, find my worth and value by how, or by how well Chi Alpha did. So something I would do, I'm not proud of this, but I would you know, look to see what the other Chi Alpha's attendance, or attendance numbers were, and I would stack ours up against it to see if I'm valuable. If, if our numbers are higher, then hey, I'm doing good. And not just that, when a student would reject the ministry or reject me, I would fall into despair. There was many nights where I would weep at the altar at Chi Alpha, because a student left the ministry. And I don't think that's just because I love that student. I think it was because I was finding my worth and value by if they came back or not. You know, it's a mixed bag of, of reasons for that. I'm not proud of this, but I'm hopeful that the Lord is working that kind of competitive spirit and that kind of trying to find value in how well the ministry is doing. I, I hope He's working it out of me. Jesus was not happy about the disciples' attitude. He strongly opposed them, like stood them down. It says this in verse 14. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Jesus was angry. He was angry. Sometimes it's okay to be angry if you handle it the right way. The word for indignant means to vent one's displeasure. Okay, so the object of your displeasure tells you a lot about what you care about. Okay, so Jesus was angry that they would exclude children and it reveals just how much he loves the helpless. Jesus loves the vulnerable, he loves the least of these and he hates it when we shove each other down and oppress one another. Jesus had an understanding of the inherent worth and value of every human being, regardless of their background, regardless of how much they've achieved or what their standing is in society. He created us in his very image and we have inherent worth Every time we look down on another human being or oppress them, we're coming against the very image of God. This morning, we desperately, or desperately need to get that to Jesus, all people are significant. Every person is important and valuable. To Jesus, everyone is significant. Regardless of how your life has played out or who has rejected you, you don't need to show anyone that you're worth something. Jesus thinks you're significant. To your Father in heaven, you are infinitely valuable, so much so that he would give his very life on the cross for you. Do you get that this morning? You are valuable in God's sight. No one can give you value. It comes from your Father in heaven. Psalm 139 says this. It says, for you formed my inward parts, and you knitted me together in my mother's womb. This is David talking. It says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. So why do you think David had such a good relationship with God? He's known as the man after God's own heart. I think it's because he understood how God viewed him. He understood. He wasn't ashamed to say, God, you made me fearfully and wonderfully. I'm pretty awesome. You know, there's a line here, but the point is we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and this is true of every human being on earth. Our Father in heaven intimately fashioned each one of us in our mother's womb. With that in mind, Let's be honest this morning, where do you find your significance? From Jesus or from something in this world? I believe many of us are finding it from something in this world. Some of us find our significance in what family we're a part of. Some find it in how well our children behave or how much they achieve. Some find it in our career or accomplishments. Some find it in the school we graduated from or how well our sports teams do. Others find it in our holiness or our beliefs, our correct beliefs. Some in our talent and our ability to perform and still others in how much people like us. The problem with finding our worth in these things is they're unreliable and they're inconsistent. They will give way. All of them will give way. And when they do, if your worth is tied up in that, your sense of identity and value will crumble with it and you won't know what to do. Our significance needs to rest on the firm foundation of someone who's unshakable. It needs to rest on Jesus. That's where our worth needs to be found, in Jesus Christ alone. This passage gives us a glimpse of how we can find our value in Jesus. Let's read verse 14 and 15 again. It says, but when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you that whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Okay, so Jesus says, he says, if you wanna receive the kingdom, if you wanna receive everything that comes with it, then you have to have the posture of a child. We can only receive God's kingdom and realize our significance in Jesus, because that's what happens when you come into relationship with him, if we come to him like a child. We have to come to him like a child. So why is that? What about... Children makes them uniquely equipped to receive the kingdom and and realize their significance in Jesus. Well, scholar James Edwards, he wrote a commentary on Mark. He asserts that it's not anything that they possess, but it's actually what they lack that makes them uniquely equipped to inherit God's kingdom. They are small, powerless, without sophistication, and overlooked. They are needy and helpless. They know that they have not earned anything They don't come to Jesus with a list of accomplishments or reasons why they're special. They can't tell him that they deserve his grace and love. They haven't done anything to deserve it. When they come to Jesus, all they can do is is climb up in his lap and be with him and enjoy his company. They're able to find their significance in Jesus because they're not trying to find their significance in other places. Children can find significance in Jesus because they know that they are not significant on their own. If we want to receive the kingdom of God and find our significance in him, we must be like children. We have to come to him empty-handed, ready to just sit in his lap and enjoy his blessings. And we must know that we're not significant on our own. We have nothing to bring to the table. As Romans 3.23 says, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Our most righteous deeds are filthy rags to God. They're filthy. We're just as helpless and worthless as the children in first century Rome. Like the disciples are saying, why would you accept children when they don't realize they're worse than children? They didn't get their, the fact that they are sinful. They're not special because you know, they're part of Jesus' inner circle. They're not special, To receive the kingdom and find our significance in Jesus, we have to literally come to the end of ourselves. As Jesus has been trying to teach his disciples over and over again, we must die to ourselves. If you lose your life, you'll save it. If you try to save your life, you'll lose it. We must surrender wholly to Jesus. And while this might seem daunting and a little scary, there is tremendous blessing when you come to the end of yourself. There's blessing there. There's great blessing in embracing the posture of a child. At the end of the story, Mark says this, and he took, him, or, took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. As the children depended on Jesus and sat in his lap, he blessed them and touched them. In the same way, when we become like children and receive God's kingdom, there's so much blessing tied up in that. What does the blessing look like? Well, the first part, of the blessing is simply being a part of God's family. Although we're created in God's image because we've sinned, we deserve death and punishment, and we're cut off from loving relationship with our Father. This is why so many people on the earth are trying to find their worth in all the wrong places. They don't have it in their Heavenly Father. When we come to Jesus like a helpless child, God the Father adopts us, and He invites us into His family. He gives us, or gives us all the same rights and and privileges as Jesus. On the cross, Jesus did what it took for us to become true children of God. He paid the penalty for our sins so that we could be welcomed into God's family. John 1:12 says this, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right, the right, the inherent right to become children of God. When we receive Jesus and come into his kingdom, we become sons and daughters of the very God over the heavens, the God over the hundreds of billions of galaxies. We are his sons and daughters. This is so important if we're gonna find our significance in Jesus. If you've accepted Christ, and that's a big if, if you've accepted Christ and and his sacrifice on your behalf, you have joined God's family, and he calls you a son or a daughter. Let that get into your bones this morning. You don't need to prove anything. You are a son or a daughter. Your identity and significance is wrapped up in your relationship with the God of the universe and his perfect son. There's great blessing there. Okay, so the first blessing is the blessing of adoption. The blessing of adoption. Has anyone seen the movie Fred Claus? Classic film, classic. (laughs) It's not that good, but It's the story of Santa Claus's brother Fred. I don't know if you've met him or heard about him. He's a good guy. But there's a scene where he goes to a support group and it's a bunch of people who are related to famous people. So the scene includes Stephen Baldwin who's the the baby brother of Alec Baldwin and the other Baldwin brothers. There's Frank Stallone who's the brother of, of Sylvester Stallone and then there's Roger Clinton who's the brother of Bill Clinton. And they're struggling with the fact that their identity is tied to their siblings. They don't like being known as Alec and and Sylvester, and and Bill, and Santa's brother. In the kingdom, though, it's a great thing to be known by our relationship to God. As God's son or daughter, it's a great thing, it's a freeing thing to have all your worth and value tied up in that. If you've trusted in Jesus, and have stepped into his family, that means you have nothing to prove to anybody, nothing. Your value comes from being God's kid. Jesus didn't just know this intellectually, okay? He didn't, so, because he had all this same thing going on, right? He had to you know his value and got all that. But, but he didn't just know that intellectually that he was God's son. He experienced God's loving affirmation. He experienced it. He experienced God's embrace. Before he began his ministry, he was baptized in the Jordan River. And we looked at this way back in the beginning of the Gospel of Mark. And when he came up out of the water, something very significant happened. The father spoke over him. He said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And the reality is, is if you're in Christ, you can experience this same thing. When we come to Jesus like a helpless child and become sons and daughters of God, we get everything that Jesus gets, and we get those same words spoken over us, okay? So the second blessing is the blessing of affirmation, or you could say significance, but the blessing of affirmation. Part of the reason, again, why we have so many issues in our world today is people do not realize their significance. As I said earlier, when you get eight billion people running around trying to prove how valuable they are, it causes seismic ripple effects. We see this in the disciples' story. They are being consumed with being the greatest and proving themselves. They needed to know that they were already significant in God's sight, they have nothing to prove. The problem, though, is it's impossible to truly understand your significance in God's sight unless you have an active relationship with Jesus. You first have to accept Christ's sacrifice on your behalf and join his family. And when that happens, then you have to go on a journey of not just knowing that intellectually that God cares about you, but actually being connected relationally to God and understanding that deep in your bones. You have to go on a journey of Growing in your assurance that you are a son or daughter of God. As this happens, you realize that although you surely are more sinful and flawed than you could ever imagine, you're actually more sinful than you probably think. At the same time, that that's true, you are more loved than you could ever dream. Even in the midst of all your junk and your stuff, God still loves you, he still calls you son or daughter. And that messes with you and that really gets inside of you. In that space of loving relationship with God, you can hear the same words that Jesus heard. You are my beloved son or daughter with whom I'm well pleased. As we come into God's family and experience his affirmation and find all of our worth in Jesus, this triggers so many other blessings in our lives. I wanna point out two because this could be an all day conversation. One is the blessing of humility. Okay, so Jesus was radically humble. He lived this out. This is what he was trying to get the disciples to get. They kept trying to, push other people down and find their value in how they stacked up against others. If you can be like a child and receive the Father's affirmation, then you don't need to do that anymore. You don't need to be prideful. You don't, don't need to do any of that because you've realized that you are already valuable and loved in God's sight. You have nothing to prove. This is what enabled Jesus to give up his life. He was able to die in our place because he knew his Father. He knew his heart. And he trusted him. He didn't need to assert himself over other people, but he could gladly surrender to the will of God. In the same way, if we become God's child and experience his affirmation, we can get to a place where we can humble ourselves before God and man and truly lay down our lives for other people. What's amazing, though, is as you become more humble, at the same time, you actually become more confident. The blessing of confidence is the last thing I'll point out, the blessing of confidence. Jesus' relationship with his father also led to a profound supernatural confidence. Just after his baptism, he went to the wilderness and he stood down the devil as the devil tempted him to shortcut the will of God. He didn't back down in fear as the devil tempted him, but he quoted the word of God to him and resisted him. He was able to do this because he knew that his father had his back. When you know that the father over everything, has your back, it can lead to some profound boldness and authority. Okay, then when he came out of the wilderness and began his ministry, he spoke and ministered with, with one who had authority is what they said about him. He just spoke with such authority. He had authority because, again, he knew who his father was. He was simply saying what his father was saying. He didn't try to please man. He wasn't concerned about that at all because he knew that his father was pleased with him and that's all he needed. And this is most vividly displayed at the end of his life when he's on trial. He stands down the most powerful people in his world. He didn't cower down in fear, but he was confident and bold when he was questioned by the religious authorities and by Rome. He knew who he was. Jesus, like he knew who he was. He was not trying to find affirmation from others. Actually, sometimes if his crowd got too big, he's like, I'm going somewhere else. I don't need all these people crowd me, right? I got things to do, I got people to teach. But the only way he's able to be that confident was he got his affirmation from God. Okay, so you, Do you ever notice that, that children can sometimes be irrationally confident? Sometimes it's like, why are you so confident right now? Okay, so this last Friday, I think it was Friday, we were out playing at the playground over here with our, our three kids, and Abram, man, like, you know, he's just going for it. And he's climbing up this, this thing that he shouldn't be climbing up. I'm like, dude, like, what are you thinking? You're not gonna make it to the top. You know, it's a side thing, I don't know. I could point it out, but anyways. He's trying to climb up it, and he's just so confident. And I think he was so confident because I was standing right behind him. He knew I was gonna catch him. Like, Jane was doing the same thing. She's on the monkey things, and she would just, like, like let both hands go. I'm like, you gotta hold on to one of them. Like, I'm not gonna catch you your whole life, girl. So, point is, the fact that, that Dad was there gave them profound confidence. The presence of Dad can give you humility and boldness. Affirmation ripples out to this confidence, if you can sit in Jesus' lap, hear the Father's affirmation, you can be, be really, really confident and bold. If we want this blessing of humility and boldness, then we need to sit in Jesus' lap, and we need to experience the Father's affirmation. We have to realize that we don't bring anything significant to God, but he gives us all of our significance, and that's all we need. Okay, so the main idea this morning is this. We must find all of our significance in Jesus, We must. It might be the most important thing you do is working all that out of yourself, just letting the Spirit get in and and get you to stop finding your significance in all the wrong places. That might be the most important thing you do, and the greatest key in your life of becoming the son or daughter of God that He's called you to be. Many of our issues are rooted in not understanding our identity in Christ. So many of them are. As I shared earlier, this is something I've struggled with at times. I'm still on a journey. My entire life, I've been a very hard worker, and I wanna be the best at everything. That's why I can get mad after softball, because I'm not that great at it, or basketball, because I wanna be great and I'm not, and I don't wanna practice through the practice that takes to be that great, so I just have to be frustrated. But uh, (laughs) the point is, if I'm not the best, I can give in to despair. Over the last couple years, God has done truly miraculous things in this church. It's, It's amazing, when I talk to people in our city, know telling the story of you know planting 2020 and just everything god's done they're always blown away like god has done so much good stuff i can't believe we didn't even exist this time two years ago it feels like it's been like five or ten years but you know it's just been crazy by god's grace we've been able to baptize over 50 people which as i wrote that this morning i think there's some of or this week i think there's some of you who who need to get baptized okay so i want to encourage you to do that just you know throw that out there it's a it's a it's a separate little message for you but uh Uh, We've given tens of thousands of dollars to missions. We've had, at this point, we have over 200 people who are part of this church family. I share that, like not to brag about the numbers and like that, I'm just sharing that to say God's done great things and I don't doubt that. And I wanna celebrate it. But even with all that being true, there have been times throughout the process where I felt like I wasn't meeting my own expectations of how quickly the church should develop or, or how quickly we should grow. And I felt like a failure at different times throughout this journey. You might not believe that with all the things God has done, but there's been, been many a nights in my office or on prayer walks where I just felt like a failure, like I'm not doing it right, I don't know what I'm doing. Because I tend to find my worth and how well I perform, and I'm not, you know, sometimes I'm not happy unless I'm the very best in the whole world. <laughs> I gotta be the best in the world, right? There's been times throughout the journey where it's, it's led me to be on edge and to not act in the way that I wanna act. There's been times where I've been anxious and stressed and trying to force things that God wasn't telling me to do, but trying to push things through. And and that's not really typical of myself. But again, when I get in this place where I'm trying to find my worth and I'm not doing as well as I want to, it can lead me to act kind of wonky. At the beginning of this year, I knew that I needed to work on this. And I invited the spirit, I said, Holy Spirit, you got to rewire this part of my heart. I don't care if there's two people there on Sunday morning or there's a thousand. I want to find all my worth in you. I want to preach the word passionately to a group of, of just my family, right, as I would if it's thousands of people. God, I don't want to care at all who shows up on a Sunday in terms of finding my value. Now, I don't want to care about the numbers or any of that stuff. God, I just want to please you. So I, I told the Lord that, and I felt like the Lord was calling me to, to really— Amp up my prayer life. I, I felt like he was saying, "That's the key to this, Daniel. You got to pray more. You got to spend more time with me." So this last year, this is, you know, 2022, I've been trying to pray every morning, very intentionally. You know, in the summer, I've been going for a walk for a mile, or sometimes you know, longer than that. But but just this in time of intentional prayer, and honestly, as I've leaned into the Father in this way, I've been so surprised by the things He's said to me. Sometimes I think when we lean into prayer, we think God's going to tell us how mad He is at, or how mad He is at us. But I've been shocked as the Lord every single morning is speaking affirmation over me, he's telling me how proud he is of me, how thrilled he is with what he's doing in this church, how you know he's making it all happen. You know, there's also times he corrects me. It's not like it's all, you're amazing. But, <laughs> but the overwhelming tone of the prayer walks is affirmation. And the more I spend time with God, the more I realize just how much he loves me, not just me, but people in general. Like my love for people is just like bubbling up this year. I just love him so much, like like a love that I never had before. I know it's a gift because I never had it on my own. Since I've been with the Lord and experienced his affirmation more regularly, it's just done wonders for my soul. I truly believe that all the amazing things that God has done this year, and specifically this summer, has flowed out of a place of not trying to prove anything, but just pure delight in God and confidence in who he is and just in obedience to his will. We've seen the fruit of this, the Yeah, the last few months have been remarkable. And again, I believe it's all rooted in prioritizing prayer. In my own life, but also in the life of the church, we had our small group session in the spring was all devoted to prayer. We've been really trying to get prayer into the life of our church. And we have not arrived yet. We're not where we need to be. I have big dreams for the prayer or the the prayer culture of our church, but I believe we're on a journey of becoming a praying church. As a church, I believe we're just starting to realize that it's rippling throughout the leadership team, throughout every person that, that our value is not fine in what we do, but it's in who we are. And I believe things are starting to flow out of our being in God, just being with him, like our doing is flowing out of that. We don't need to add to the cross. We don't need to prove anything. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. You need to hear that this morning. He is enough. His blood is enough for you. The Father loves you. He loves us in everything needs to flow from that understanding. If you don't got that down, don't move on to something else. Get that down first. With that said, let me ask you again, where are you finding your significance? Are you finding it in Jesus? Are you sitting in his lap each day and hearing his affirmation? He's more thrilled with you than you think he is. (laughs) Sure, there's ways you need to grow, but but he's thrilled with you. If you're in his family, he's thrilled with you. You know, maybe you've doubted your significance. This could be because your dad walked out on you and you're still longing to hear him say those words of affirmation. This could be because you didn't receive an education, you don't feel smart. This could be because your family is broken, you feel like responsible for that. This could be because of mistakes you've made in your past that you haven't been able to move on from. This could be because you're not popular or maybe you just feel like you don't know how to relate with people. Today, you need to hear the the Father's affirmation you are my beloved daughter with whom I'm well pleased. You are my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Or maybe you're not doubting your significance. You feel pretty significant, but you're finding it in the wrong places. You know, maybe you find it in how much money you make or how great your kids are or how much better you are than other people or how correct your beliefs are. Wow, God, thank you, I'm not like them. who just have those terrible beliefs. Or how well people like you, I'm just so likable. Like, wow, I'm pretty, pretty cool. This morning, you need to see that these places of significance are sinking sand. Christ, Christ alone needs to be your place of significance because all these things will give way. But for any of us to find our significance in Christ, it starts with accepting what He's done for us. It starts with realizing what He's done for us on the cross. He's paid for all of our sins. All the sins you ever committed, all the sins that you will commit. If you're in Christ, he's paid for it. Not just that, he's risen from the grave. He's defeated everything terrible in the world. He's defeated sin, death, and evil. So to get our significance from Jesus, it starts with with inviting him to be the king of our lives, with letting him be our Lord. So this morning, if you haven't trusted in Jesus as your savior, I wanna encourage you to do that. I'm gonna give you a chance to do that right now, actually. So what I wanna do, is I just wanna bow our heads. You don't have to stand yet. Just bow your heads, close your eyes you're in this room and you realize you're not in right relationship with God, and you need to come into right relationship with him, you need to accept his sacrifice, I wanna give you a chance to just kind of slip up your hand to heaven saying, hey, that's me. I wanna put my trust in Jesus. So I'm gonna count to three, and when I do, just slip up your hand so I know who I'm praying for. One, two, three, slip ball across this room. See that hand, is there anyone else? I see that hand, is there anyone else this morning? Go ahead and put him down. I'm just gonna pray a simple prayer of repentance and trust in Jesus, and you pray in your heart. Lord, for those that are coming to you this morning and are wanting to accept your sacrifice on their behalf, come into your family, I pray that you'd make that happen right now in Jesus' name, that, that there would be a supernatural work that happens in every heart. Just as 2 Corinthians 5 says, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, the old is gone and the new has come. I pray that that would be true for every person here this morning, in Jesus' name. All right, you can stand to your feet. Once we've trusted Christ for salvation, that's just the beginning of the journey, just the beginning of the journey. I've been following the Lord intimately for 10 years, and I feel like some of these truths are just now starting to get into my heart in a transformative way. So it's really a journey of diving deeper and, and deeper into him. We won't just understand our value in God's sight overnight. He can obviously do a miracle, and make that all understandable to you, but but it's usually a journey. And for this journey to happen, we have to make a commitment to be with him each day. That's why we wanna spend time with Jesus, not to earn something. Here's the thing, guys, when you read your Bible, you're not getting brownie points, right? Filthy rags to God. It's not like, oh, I did it today. I'm awesome, that's not how it works, right? Instead, we spend time with Jesus because we need to hear from him. We need to, to be with him. We need all of our doing to flow out of our being. You're not earning something, you're just getting something. He's giving you a gift when you do that, all right? So this morning, if you're here and you need to find your affirmation, the Father, maybe you're a follower of Jesus, but but if you're honest, you found it in other places and you wanna ask him to help you with that, can you still hold your hand boldly right now and say, hey, that's me. I need to find my affirmation the Father. All right, I see all these hands going up. All right, I'm just gonna pray and then we're gonna respond to God. I, I want you to lean in in these final minutes. Okay, so i want to pray, Jesus this morning for all those that are just being honest because I think it's something we all struggle with and they need to find their affirmation in you. God, I pray that you would do a supernatural work. Lord, I pray that you would give visions across this room, and that you speak words of affirmation over these people. God, for all those who are in Christ, we are your beloved sons and daughters. I pray that that truth would just be pressed into our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, so what I wanna do now we want to open the altars, I really want to encourage you to take advantage of this time. There's something about the altars where you step out in faith, you surrender, where God just meets you there, so yeah, the altars are open, I we'll encourage you to do that, and we're going to worship a little bit here. And the prayer team's available over here.